Oh my goodness. Happy Father's Day. Can I ask a favor? Can I ask all the dads in the house to please stand? Come on, dads. Come on, stand up. Let's honor the fathers here today. Yeah. No, and you got to stay standing. We did this for the women. We did this for Mother's Day. How many of you dads know we need all the help we can get at being good dads? Come on. So we are going to pray right now blessings upon all of us. I'm a dad too. So if you're seated around the fathers right now, can you just extend a hand to a blessing upon them and join me in this prayer as we lift up all of our dads that are here and, and wherever they may be right now. Let's just bow our heads. Lord God, we thank you. Number one, Father God, you are the ultimate father. And so we give you a happy Father's Day this morning, Lord. We honor you. We exalt you. But Lord, we also thank you for the calling that you put upon our lives as dads, Lord. And it's a heavy calling. It's different from that of the moms, but no less important. Lord, what you require of us in Scripture, Father, is that, you, that we would train up our kids in such a way that, that they would know you and follow you so that when they're old, they would not depart from it. And Father God, you, you tell us in Scripture not to exasperate our children. Lord, you tell us as heads of the household, Lord, that we are to be willing to die for our, our wives and for those that we love and our kids. Lord, there's a heavy responsibility on us that we would take our character after your character. Lord, as the ultimate father, Lord, some of us don't have that great of godly examples here on earth as fathers, but Lord, that doesn't matter because we know you, the father of all fathers. And um, Lord, we look to you for advice. And I pray blessings upon all the dads in the house today and all of our dads everywhere. Lord, that you would fill us with the gifts and the tools that we need <clears throat> to continue to be the best dads that you've called us to, to be. Father, with the wisdom and the patience, Lord, with the, the motivation and with the insight and with just um, all that it takes, Father God, the extra time and just um, the connections that you want to build um, in us and through us with those that we love, our, our children and our wives and the, the friendships around us. Lord, bless the fathers here today. Lord, we pray that you would empower us to go above and beyond where we've already been. Lord, we want to be ready to, to do your will and to be better. Lord, thank you for our dads. Thank you for all the fathers in the room and all, all of our fathers and, and dads that have gone before us and are everywhere. Lord, we thank you. We pray blessings upon them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, dads. <clears throat> and happy Father's Day. Well, um... I got a good sermon for you this morning. I believe it is a good equipping sermon. I think it's a sermon, a message this morning that is not just for the dads. It's Father's Day, so it kind of goes along the theme of Father's Day. But it's something I believe that all of us can gain from on how to invest in other people. And on Mother's Day, we talked about lessons from a good mom. Do you guys remember that sermon? Anybody? Anybody ever you know, oh, remember yeah. Carl's oh, yeah. sermons in here? You know? <laughs> Who is the mom we talked about? Oh, good job. You guys are listening and paying attention. That's, that's good. I, that should be. I hope so. Um, but today we're talking about lessons from a good dad. And it's actually kind of funny because um, the guy that I picked, I went through a bunch of different characters in the Bible. And I really love this one because he gives us some really practical um, um, lessons that we can uh, kind of own in our own lives. And we can use it as dads to invest in our kids or moms but actually every Christian can use to invest in the lives of other people. And the person I picked today is the Apostle Paul. 
And nowhere in scripture do we, is it ever inferred or anything? Is it said that he was an actual physical father of any children? It's in a couple places it leads us to believe that he was married at one time. And we don't know if, if his wife left him or if he was widowed or what happened. But there's, there's some things that let us know that Paul at one time, he was a Pharisee. He was a member of the Sanhedrin. One of the qualifications for being in the Jewish Sanhedrin, the governing body, was you had to be married. So we take that to mean that Paul must have been married. And there's a couple other times he mentioned some stuff that kind of led, lead us to believe he was married at one time. But there's nowhere that says he had kids. However, there's some places in the New Testament, primarily the, the book, the two letters of First and Second Timothy, where Paul is writing letters to this young man named Timothy. And he calls Timothy this. He calls him my dear son. He calls him my true child in the faith. And in fact, as you write some of his other letters to, to the Philippians, to the Colossians, to I think Romans, a, a different, different letters he's writing. Um, this letter is from me, Paul, and from Timothy, my, my dear son in the faith. And so today's lessons from a good dad isn't necessarily a physical dad, but I think it actually helps drive home my point a little bit more, is that Paul was a guy that had a spiritual son. And what he says is, this was a person that we learned from his life that he specifically invested in to give them the best life possible. And if you read the relationship in the life of, of Paul and Timothy through Acts and through First and Second Timothy, you see that Paul sets an amazing example for us, number one, as dads or as moms, as parents, to pour into our kids, to raise them right, to give them all that we have and more, to set them up for the best life possible in God and just in life in general. But I believe it goes further than that. I believe that it's, it's basically... A story that, that would be an example to call us to invest in the lives of the people around us in our life, whether they're our kids or whether they're just our friends or they're our coworkers or whatever. We all know that there's probably not like 100 or probably not even like 50, but there's a handful of people that God has specifically put in close proximity to our lives and relationship that if we really think about it and pray on it, we know we're called to invest in those people's lives. And it may not be tons and tons of people, but it's like, Guarantee for one, for me, my kids and my family. And then it's the close personal friendships that God just kind of makes happen in my life. I know that I'm supposed to make people's lives better. The Great Commission is that we would go out there and influence people's lives. That we'd make believers and followers of Jesus Christ. And we'd take what we know and we'd invest it in others and we'd give that away. Now here's the story of the relationship between Paul and Timothy. Paul, as you guys know, he was this Pharisee that was all about the Old Testament law and religion. And he meets... Jesus gets transformed, a voice from heaven blinds him on the road to Damascus. You know the whole story. He gets recruited to go out there and preach the gospel message all around the world, right, for Jesus. And so he goes on this missionary journey around the Mediterranean area at the time, and he, he goes to this one town called Lystra, and it was in modern-day Turkey. It was Asia Minor back then in the land of Galatia. And he goes to this one town of many towns that he went to visit and, and make more Christians and start churches. And he goes there and he spreads the gospel message and a lot of people get saved. And then he eventually gets run out of town and he goes around and he visits all these other places. A few years later, he goes back on a second missionary journey. And one of the first places he stops at is this town again, Lystra. And he finds out that there's a young man named Timothy that's there that somehow became a Christian between the time Paul brought the gospel message a few years earlier until now. And there's this young man there and Paul goes, you know what? I'm drawn to this guy for whatever reasons. And as I go around and I do all my ministry and my work and my preaching and my miracles, I'm deciding, Paul says, 
to invest in the life of this young man named Timothy and bring him with me and to impart everything that I know about the Lord and ministry into this guy's life because I want him to have the best life possible, to, to know God, to set him up, to be a blessing to other people. And so throughout the New Testament, you kind of follow the, the journey of Timothy tagging along with Paul as he did all of this work. So what we're going to look at today is, is an example of a, a spiritual father, but it applies to all of us, not just the dads in the room. But God has called every single one of us to invest in the lives of other people. Hebrews 10, 23 through 25 says it best. It says, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. So number one, let's hold on to God. Let's put God first and foremost. We need to connect to him. But then secondly, it says in verse 24, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but let's encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Jesus is coming back someday. We better be all about investing in the lives of other people. He's saying, encourage, motivate, push people towards love and good works. He's saying that we're not just here to connect with God and to connect people to God, but we're here to connect God's family to other people and to invest in the lives of other people. Paul's message for us today is that we need to be people that would invest in people's lives and give them the very best life possible. Do you guys believe that? Man. The greatest investment that you could ever do in this lifetime, you're going to get to heaven someday and God's not going to be like, oh, so how, how popular did you get? How, uh, how, oh, you made it to CEO? That's awesome. How many houses did you purchase? Oh, you've got all that money? That's great. You know, all that's going to matter to God is, hey, who'd you bring with you? Yeah. You're in heaven now. Whose life did you touch and make better? Because my great commission was that you would go out there in the world, you would introduce people to me, you would invest in other people's lives. And the greatest thing that you can do to make any type of difference at all is to invest in someone else's life. I wanna show you guys a real quick video clip from YouTube. It's not the greatest quality. It's from a few years back before they had HD and everything. But it's a, it's a, a, a glimpse of what I'm trying to get today. The fact that we need to be there to carry people at times, to help people finish strong, to encourage people, to believe in them, to fight for them, to protect them, to discipline them and challenge them when necessary, but then to, to lift them up and celebrate the wins with people. We need to be there because we all, all need those type of relationships in our life. Amen? Take a look at this video real quick, and it's appropriate for Father's Day. I hope it touches you the same way that it touched me. Check out this video real quick.
good if that doesn't do something in you then you're cold yeah <laughs> you know what I watch that video and I just think I want to be that kind of a dad I want to be that kind of a Christian that God has called me to be because there's people that need us that are in our lives around us and they go through stuff and even in the good times they may not know what else is available unless we're the kind of person that comes in and sets them up to finish well and gives them the absolute best life possible. Teach them everything that we know. Lead them towards God and having that foundation in their lives. And then all that we've learned that we'd be able to pour into other people. Like I said, the greatest investment you can ever make is in other people around you. Amen? Amen. And so that's what we're going to get out of, of the Apostle Paul and his relationship with Timothy here this morning. It's that people need people and we need to be those kind of people in other people's lives. Listen to what Mother Teresa said. I love uh, Mother Teresa. Who doesn't love Mother Teresa in this room? Come on. You better see every hand in the room. Come on. We love Mother Teresa, right? She lived her faith. We know that. And here's, here's some words that she said. She had a lot of amazing quotes. Real humble woman that gave her life to blessing other people. Um, I'll tell you one thing. She's probably got, you know, it says in heaven we get, receive a crown of glory. Can you imagine seeing Mother Teresa's crown? She's up there. She's like, oh, I can't even lift this thing, you know? God is going, well done, good and faithful servant. But look what she said, a great quote. Spread love everywhere you go. Let no one ever come to you without leaving happier. That you would touch lives so much that everybody is affected by your life, by you walking through their life with them. Then she said something else neat. She said, a life not lived for others is not a life. That the whole point that we are here, the whole reason we're here is to invest in other people. And this is a really amazing, great message for us on Father's Day to dads. Dads, remember your calling. Remember your responsibility that God's telling you. Invest in the lives of those kids. Raise them up. Train them. Set them up for success. But really, it's beyond dads and moms. It's about every one of us to say, we got something good, don't we? 
Don't we have a knowledge of a faith that says, I know the Lord of creation in a personal way, the God of all gods, the King of all kings, through his son Jesus, I have full access to the creator of the universe. Is that cool or what? We have full salvation. We have eternal life in Jesus Christ. We have the power of the Holy Spirit living within us on the daily. And we have something to offer this world, and we got to take that thing seriously. And so that's what I want to be talking about today, just investing in the lives of other people. And, and I hope you take notes. And if you take your notes out, there's, a, there's three things as I studied the relationship between the Apostle Paul and Timothy, his spiritual son. Three main areas that I learned that I'm kind of referencing for myself in my own life and, and raising my kids and the people around me. There's three big things that I saw that the Apostle Paul did in the life of Timothy. And look at them in your notes. It's engage, equip, and exalt. And it's so cool when I can make them all start with the same letter. I just, I always feel like I'm just that much smarter. I'm like, good job, Carl. Did it. But <laughs> nonetheless, whatever words you want to call them, it's, the, it's the, the meaning behind the words and what the Apostle Paul did to invest in the life of Timothy. The first one I want to share with you is engage. What does that mean? you're a parent in here and you're thinking, well, what do you mean? I want to, yeah, I want my kids to succeed. Well, the first thing is you better make sure that you engage with your kids. You better make sure these words, that you connect with them, that you build a real relationship, that you commit to them. You build the trust and you meet them where they're at. You know how I know when people are really trying to go out of their way to connect with little kids or like my kids, I got a little five-year-old girl, Sammy. You know the one way you guys probably know too, what kind of a body posture do you take when you're really trying to connect with a little kid? No, you do? You kneel down, you go to their level, and you talk to them as equals instead of the whole like, hi, junior, little boy, how you doing? Run along, you know? <laughs> but when you really want to try to connect with someone, you intentionally go to someone's level, you go to where they're at. You guys get what I'm trying to say here? If you want to invest in other people's lives, you better make sure you go to where they're at. You better make sure that we're really trying to, to see eye to eye with them. This is the interesting thing about Paul and Timothy. Like I said, Paul in the Sanhedrin, Pharisee, he had status, he was a Roman citizen, he had political status, he had religious status, he probably had wealth, he had all of this, he was a kind of high up guy. And he met Jesus Christ and he said he, he was going to kind of toss that all aside, but he still had this reputation as this great man. Well, here's the, the thing that Paul did to connect with Timothy. He goes around, he had already been to the town of Lystra once before. He goes back to Lystra, he goes out of his way, this guy that had all this reputation and status, and he goes, you know what, I'm investing in people, you young man, and he goes to Timothy. And here's what we know about Timothy. At the time, Paul used to be all about, it's only for the Jews, the God of the Old Testament Jews, not for Gentiles. Well, things began to change because Jesus told him that, that his love and his message was for everybody, Jewish and non-Jewish people. So he looks at Timothy. Here's the stuff that Timothy's got going against him. Paul's got this high reputation. Timothy, number one, he's young. Age was, if you're young, you're kind of looked down on, you're not taken seriously. Paul was older, he's well-respected. Here's a young kid. Why would Paul want to be messing with a young guy, right? So number one, he's young. Number two, what we find out in scripture is Timothy was shy and he was timid. So he's not even an outspoken guy. Why would Paul be thinking, I want to bring along a shy kid with me, right? Then we find out later that Timothy was kind of a sickly kid. He had stomach problems all the time. Paul at one point says, Timothy, stop just drinking the water. You got a weak stomach, drink a little bit of wine, kill whatever bacteria is in there. You need a little help. You're kind of a sickly kid, right? We know this. So Timothy, young guy, he's shy, he's timid. He's got little stomach problems, but get this. He's not even a full 100% Jewish person. Why would Paul be wanting to mess? His mom was Jewish, but his father was Greek. So he's a half breed. So Jews at the time, before they were really catching on to this, Jesus is for everything, 
message, they're kind of already looking down. Timothy's young, he's shy, he's sick, he's kind of a half-breed, he's, you know, all of this stuff, they're writing him off. But here's the deal. Paul intentionally connected with this kid, Timothy, who they're totally different statuses. Paul went out of his way, and I believe in doing so, he's giving us a message to say, hey, if you want to get into someone's life and you really want to invest in their lives, go out of your way to intentionally connect with other people. You guys get what I'm trying to say here? It's, it's we have to be intentional about this kind of thing. The other thing that I find kind of like weird is that the first time Paul went to that town of Lystra where Timothy was from, you know how it ended for him? It didn't go well. He started, he started preaching and people came to know Jesus, but then an angry mob formed. And you know, whenever you read about an angry mob forming, it's not going to go well, right? So an angry mob formed and you know what they did? They all got stones and they stoned the Apostle Paul and they thought he was dead. They dragged his body outside the city and they left him for dead. Well, of course, being the Apostle Paul, he got right back up and he walked into town the next day, right? And then he left. But the fact that Paul went out of his way to go, hmm, where should I visit next on my second missionary journey? Hey, Lister was pretty fun last time. I think I'll go there. Do you understand that Paul went out of his way to come and to invest in the life and recruit Timothy as his young travel companion, as his young disciple, and he began to mentor his life and pour into him. He had to intentionally be about becoming all things to all men. And that's really the story of Paul's life, the example to us. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 22, in the New King James Version, Paul says this, I have become all things to all men that I might by all means save some. If I want to reach people, he goes, I'm going to compromise who I am. Not my faith, not my beliefs, not who God is, but I'm going to compromise me and become like them to meet them eye to eye because I want to invest in them and give them the best life possible. Is that good? That in our lives, if we're going like, oh, that coworker, I want to invite him to church or, oh, that my kids, I want to train them well and I want to teach them well. You better get down to their level and enter their world and really become real with them. Build intentional connections. That's what Paul did when, when I use the word engage there. He built a con uh, an intentional connection. Here's a reason why. A lot of times we just think, that we're smart and we're good, and that if people look at us, they're gonna learn stuff from us. That's not always the case. We have to be intentional. John Maxwell said in one of his books, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. See, no one's gonna to wanna to listen to your message unless they kinda of can relate to you, they can build trust, that they understand that this guy really cares about me. He's telling me this stuff because he really lives it, and he's got my best interest at mind. But if I just go around all the time and just I'm scolding my kids, scolding my kids, and I never enter into good relationship and connecting with them, they're not going to respect that. They're just going to think, dad's always barking orders at me. And so we got to get to that place where we are engaging, we're becoming real. You know, one of the ways that we do that, real practical way, to get to know someone and, and come to their level and open up and relax? Have a meal with someone. Go take someone to Zippy's after this and share some food. And you know what? Food is one of those universal things that breaks the ice and gets us all in the common ground. Would you guys agree? How many of you guys have had some of your best times, your best talks in backyard barbecues, luau's, at dinner tables, at restaurants, because everybody's relaxed, right? We're all eating at common ground. Oh, this is good. We're all feeling good. And we just start relaxing around one another. If you're like intentional about today, like I said, investing in your kids or investing in anybody else, do something as simple as just, just eating together. Go, go barbecue. Go hang out with someone for Father's Day. That's one way to really engage them. Here's another thing that's of utmost importance is be someone that asks questions. You don't always come off you leading with all the talking, but you really want someone to, to engage with you. 
is ask them questions. And you know what you ask them about? Themselves. You know the favorite and easiest thing for anybody in the world to talk about is what? Themselves, right? Anybody ask me, it's the easiest thing. I don't have to think about it. It's like, I know it. It's me. It's easy to talk about. So to engage with people, find out about them. Let them know you're actually listen, you're listening and you care about them. Because that's the other part of it is ask questions, but what's just as important is actually listen to what they're saying. Because we know the difference between hearing and listening, right? Hearing is, what do you say? Oh, yeah, 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 whatever. And you don't do anything about it. Listening is what? Oh, that's cool. Let me respond back. I'm really taking it in. I want to act on that. But we got to be able to be people that really ask questions and we're listening to what they say. I, I got to learn to listen to my kids if I want to connect with them. It's not enough to just be driving along and what you say, oh yeah, okay, okay, good. The other day I was driving and my kids are notorious. They always put in the earphones and the iPods, right, when we drive. So it's like, we don't have to listen to dad's old 80s music in the car. We're going to listen to our cool stuff, right? And they're always in the back end. And I just found the other day, I'm like, I'm not really engaging my kids. If I want to speak into their lives, I only got my kids for so many years in the house with me. I only have limited time to pour into them everything that I know to help set them up to have the best life possible. And so the other day I said, hey, Isaac, take out your earphones. Okay, what's up? And so I start talking to him, asking him questions, right? And in the beginning, of course, what you get from him, one word answers. Hey, how you like this? Da, da, da. It's good. Okay. Uh, hey, did you want to do that? Yeah, sure. And you're just like, what? You know, it's hard to get into their lives. And then I just keep with the questions. Tell me about yourself. You're going into seventh grade this year. What do you think? You used to have one, one class in school in sixth grade, and now you're about to have like six or eight classes or whatever. Are you ready for that? What do you think? Do you have friends going to your school with you? And you know what? He started opening up. He started letting me in. We started connecting. We started engaging. Yeah. And I started coaching him on how to meet girls and, you know, <laughs> and how to be the popular kid in school and, you know, all the, the good stuff, right? And we start nearing the destination. We were driving to Safeway or something like that. And I was just kind of like, oh, man, this is so good. I don't want it to end because I'm trying to be intentional. I want to connect with my son. So I just casually drive right past Safeway, right? hoping he won't notice, right? I start circling the block a few times driving around because this is so good for me to engage and be able to invest in and speak into my kid's life. I better value that time where we're connecting and we're seeing eye to eye. Do you guys understand what I'm trying to talk about here? The priority of really engaging people. And we need to take the time to do that. One of the best ways that you can do that too isn't just asking them about themselves, but you need to become vulnerable and you need to become open yourself. Because again, no one's going to want to listen to what you have to say unless they can go, okay, I relate. You're not just telling me stuff to do, but you actually have found that that works in your life. You know what, one of the greatest things that I love about getting to know people is the new social media that's going around, right? And, and how many of you guys use Facebook in here? Okay, a lot of us, right? And we report stuff, but a lot of times, let's be honest, we lie on there. I mean, not me, but I catch people lying about stuff and I'm just like, yeah, right, you don't do that. You know, and people always want to sound better than they are. And you guys see that at all? Like, you know, your friends and you're like, yeah, right, you don't like that movie, or you don't really act like that. You don't pray five times a day. Come on, I know you, right? But we'll say a lot of stuff to make ourselves, come on, you guys know what I'm talking about? We're human, right? I'm not saying lying is good. I'm just saying people like to exaggerate and sound a little bit different. But you know what I like that's very telling is Instagram. How many of you guys know about Instagram? Instagram is the social media, whatever network, where it's all pictures. And you know what I love about pictures? Pictures don't lie. Unless you're the one that chooses to only like put on all your makeup and look perfect every time you take a picture of yourself. But there's so many people that I love that they're just putting pictures up there. They're not even talking. They're just showing me slices of their life. You guys get what I'm trying to say? And you really begin to feel like, oh, I see that guy all the time at school, but 
oh, that's what his family looks like. That's cool. Now I kind of feel like I know them a little bit more. You guys know what I'm talking about? Let me show you a little bit of proof. Let me show you a few of my Instagram photos. Is that okay with you guys? I'm letting you into my world. We're, we're connecting here. Ready? Let me show you a couple of things. This is what, what I typically put up there. I put my family because I love my family. There's my five-year-old. She gets her faces from dad, definitely. But this is us at Animal Kingdom the other week. And and I, I love to put pictures of my family because they mean a lot to me. If I'm trying to be real with people, this is one of the things that I think about and pray about. And this is what I'm all about. I love my family. You guys love my family? Sure. You better love my family. I love my family. Okay, go to the next one. I love food. My wife made an amazing Thai coconut curry soup or something the other night. And I was like, this is so good. I'm Instagramming this, right? We do this. But you know what? How many people like Thai food in this place right now? Come on. You know what happened? We just connected. We just engaged right there. Go to the next one. This is Makapu Beach. I love to go to the beach. I love to take my kids to the beach. I'm proud of my kids. We went to the beach. Who likes the beach in here? You see how that works? You trust me that much more now because oh, I like that beach too. I like this guy. He's cool. He likes what I like. Go to the next one. This is what happens when you're dumb like me. I'm human. I get my truck stuck in the sand for three hours. I told you the story, right? But I like to post that because it lets people know that I'm real as well. Go to the next one about me. I love to collect shells. Come on. I gave you guys some shells the other week. Who got one of those shells? See, I love you. I gave you shells. Okay, go to the next one. This is my dog. I should say our dog. It's more my wife's dog because she does the walking and the scooping and the whole deal. But he lives in my house, so he's part of the family. This is Richter, our uh, Jack Russell Terrier Chihuahua mix. And... Um, yeah, that's Richter the dog. I call him RTD for short. That's his initials, Rick the dog. But he lives in my house. And I guys know I have a dog too, right? Who else has dogs in here? See, we're friends. We're connecting. <laughs> Here's the next one. I like to shoot guns now, apparently. <laughs> I got to go to the Midwest, and that's what they do over there. And so they let me shoot all their guns, and then they gave me a hat and belt and made me look stupid. But I don't even care. I post those pictures because I want to be real with people. Here's the last one is... Um, there's me and Lance when we're in the Midwest and, and there's a bear and I act, like to act dumb and, you know, pose for pictures and stuff like that. But this is me trying to be real and connecting with people. And if you guys want to connect with me, I think they even put up the thing. Follow me on Instagram at Captain Carl. There you go. But here's the point I'm trying to make. I did this for a reason. Is that if we want to engage with people, then we better be real. And I want to be the kind of pastor that is real. Someone just told me this. They complimented me. Other, Thank you for making it real to me. And I've heard a lot of pastors, blah, 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 blah. But here's a nice compliment. Thank you for making it so I can understand about God. That I trust. And, and my friend said this, you're just like one of the dudes. I said, that's what I want to be. Because if I'm sitting in there, those are the kind of pastors I like to listen to is the ones that I can understand. They're real. They're like me. They can talk about Jesus, but they make it so I get it. And so here's what I'm saying is the message that you have for the people you're trying to invest in you make sure that you're letting them know that you're real and that you're relaxed and that you can build a, a common trust. That's when then you get to be able to get in there and start coaching them and equipping them. Is that good? That's only the first point. We got to go through two others here really quick. Here's the second thing that I noticed about the Apostle Paul to Timothy is he intentionally equipped Timothy. Intentionally. There's that word again. The word equip means to train, to teach, to prepare to help, to encourage, to gear up, to set up, to succeed in God and in life. It's that you would supply or resource someone with the tools necessary to get the job done. And the Apostle Paul 
was so good. And here's some of the stuff I want you to write down. Here's the first thing that, that the Apostle Paul did to Timothy is he just simply believed in him. And if you want to be able to invest in other people's lives, you better, without a shadow of a doubt, be willing to say, I believe in you. Those are some of the most powerful words ever spoken to us in our lives. And anybody agree with that? When you're at a point where you're just ready to give up everything and someone comes along and they go, you know what? You got this. I believe in you. God believes in you. You can do this. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. You got this. I believe in you. You know what that does for us? Oh, it's like taking a breath of fresh air. I can do this. I, I, got, I got energy for one more. I can keep going. When someone stands behind you. Here's what, here's what the Apostle Paul said to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.12. I love this. He goes, hey, Timothy, don't let anyone think less of you because you're young. But be an example to all the believers in what you say and the way you live in your love, your faith, and your purity. You know what he's modeling to us is, if you're gonna invest in someone and you're gonna believe in them, you're gonna make sure they don't have any excuses why they can't succeed. You're gonna say, it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter if you're a boy or girl. It doesn't matter what background you came from. It doesn't matter your ethnicity. It doesn't matter what people have said about you. It doesn't matter your past, the issues, the hangups, the, all that stuff you carry. You know what? I believe in you. God is good. God is bigger. God is strong. He's at work in your life. You can do it. Is that good? That's what Paul was saying to Timothy. Yeah, I know everybody writes you off. You're young. You're shy. You're timid. You're only half Jewish. You're this, you're that. And Paul goes, but it doesn't matter. You just keep on living the life, setting the example that God has called you to. I believe in you. We need to be people that believe in others and set them up to succeed. Here's, this, here's another thing that Paul did for Timothy is he helped Timothy realize his gifts. The people's lives that you're investing in right now, help them identify the gifts that God has given them and then encourage them to use those gifts. That so many of us don't see the, the gifts that God has given us. It's weird because people all around us will see the gifts and like, oh, that guy's so generous. It's so awesome. He's always giving. He's always this. And then you go ask that guy, hey, you're pretty generous. Oh, no, I'm not. No, you have the gift of gen No, no, I don't. I'm, I'm selfish. I don't do this. We don't see it in ourselves. You know why? The enemy's trying to rip us off and trying to deceive us from acting out our God-given gifts so that we can be a blessing to this world. He's putting stuff on us that say, shame, guilt, unworthy, I can't do anything, I'm untalented, I'm un I can't do this stuff. We need to be the kind of people cheering others on, like that guy, the dad in the video, hey, you know what, you're gonna try to finish this race, I'm gonna help you, I believe you can do it. In fact, we're gonna do it together. That we need to be identifying people's gifts. Here's what Paul later wrote in Romans, he said, in Romans 12, verses 4 to 8, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, then speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, then serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, then be encouraging. If it's giving, then give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take that responsibility seriously. And if you have the gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Don't let the people around you be neglecting the gifts that God has given them. Don't let people be wasting their gifts because of whatever the world puts on them or whatever they believe about themselves. It's our job to help others identify those gifts. You know, there was a point in my life when I was a young man in high school and one of my youth pastors asked me to preach, give my first message at a camp. 
and I was terrified. I was so scared. I was nervous. I was sweating. And I gave this message to my peers when I was in high school, and it was the worst message ever preached. I promise you. I can remember to this day just be thinking back going, I was so bad. That was so terrible. I did so junk. But you know what my youth pastor said? No, we see something in you. You keep doing that. You know what? There's room for error as you're learning to use your gifts. Practice makes perfect. We see something in you that God has given you. You keep fanning that into flame. Two places in, in 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, the Apostle Paul tells Timothy, hey, Timothy, fan into flame the gifts that God's put in your life. Hey, people prayed about you. They laid hands on you. They prophesied about you. Stir up those gifts and keep using them because you're very good at those gifts. That here's Paul going, I believe in you. I'm helping you identify your gifts. And the sooner you start using your gifts, the greater satisfaction and purpose you're going to feel in your life because you're doing what God created you to do. Is that good? There's no greater feeling than knowing that you're doing what God has called you to do. Now I can say this. I understand that I have the gift of teaching. And I've got a long way to go to sharpen my gift and to go better. And I, I'm trying to practice and get better and better. But I clearly understand that I have a gift of teaching. Would anybody agree to that in here? You better agree because you're sitting here every week. Uh, you look like the biggest fool if you keep coming to hear a guy that doesn't know how to teach, right? But here's the deal. If I have the gift of teaching and I can say that without pride or anything, all that is is because people believed in me enough to say, Carl, keep on fanning into the flame that gift that you have of preaching and teaching. You're going to go places. God's going to use you someday. Now, I believe that about myself, not out of pride, but because people have convinced me and shown me and helped me realize and identify my gifts. And now I realize this is the calling on my life. Is that good? So what's your calling? And what's the calling of the lives around you? You need to make sure people realize that and let them just take that ball and run with it because God's going to bless, bless the world through them as they use that gift. Is that good? Um, and here's, here's another thing that I really appreciate about the Apostle Paul as he was equipping Timothy. He always led by example. Write that down. If you're trying to, to create the best life possible for your kids or your friends, you better make sure that you're leading by example. He told Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.16, hey, Timothy, keep a close watch on how you live and on your teaching. In other words, make sure that what you do lines up with what you say because talk is cheap. He said, stay true to what is right for the sake of your own salvation and the salvation of those who hear, hear you. Here's the thing that Paul did. He didn't just instruct Timothy on, here's how you preach and here's how you teach and here's how you hold a strong faith and, and you, you suffer through persecution and trials. Here's how you do all this. He didn't just tell him this. You know what he did? He brought Timothy along with him and he lived it with him. He did it in front of him. He's telling Timothy, hey, you need to preach messages with boldness and you need to use the power of God to heal people. And he goes, oh, and by the way, let me show you how it's done. And he went out there around the world and he declared the message of Jesus Christ boldly. And he prayed for people to be healed and miraculous healings happened. Even one kid, Eutychus, do you guys remember when Paul was preaching a sermon till late at night? And because Paul was such a dynamic speaker, the kid fell asleep and he fell out the window. You guys remember that story, Eutychus? And so Paul goes down and brings him up, raises him from the dead, right? Timothy was there with him. Timothy was along for the ride. Timothy saw firsthand, this dude walks his talk. If he's telling me instructions, it's only because he's lived it himself. And here's what I want to tell you guys, uh, without a shadow of a doubt, absolutely, actions speak louder than words. And if you're trying to instruct other people and coach them and help them and invest in their lives, you better make sure you're a living example of what your words are speaking to other people. Amen? Amen. Because we all know to us, Talk is cheap. If someone's going to be telling me something to do, they better make, I better make sure that I know that they believe in that and they live that message as well. You guys remember the video that we showed last week about Joyce Meyer? 
Remember what it was about, forgiveness and not holding grudges and learning how to forgive people? When I first saw that message in, at Hillsong in their convention in Sydney, Australia, like a year ago or something, she came out of the gates firing. In that message, she came out saying some really challenging stuff. Do you guys remember that message? And she was speaking to us about, you got to learn to forgive, and you got to do this, and you got to do that. And I'm kind of thinking, here's me. I don't know if you took it this way. I was a little bit critical at first. I was a little bit like, whoa, take it easy, lady. Who do you think you are, right? I was like, wow, she's telling me a lot of stuff. Like, whoa, well, who are you? And then gets to the point in the sermon when she drops the heavy line and she says, by the way, I was raped by my own dad over 200 times and I had to learn to find forgiveness to get over that, to love on him, to lead him to Jesus, to buy him a house and to care for him. And I'm so glad that God did all of that in my life. And suddenly my jaw just dropped to the ground, right? Are you kidding me? You went through that? Suddenly all the messages she's preaching is a hundred times more important, a million times more important. Why? Because she walked her talk. Amen? You see the difference it makes when we can go and tell our kids, oh, you got to da 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 and then they see us not doing that? They're not going to listen to us. People aren't going to find Jesus if we can't even live Jesus in our lives. And so I think what's so amazing about the Apostle Paul is he lived it. He lived it out loud in front of Timothy. And here's the third thing that I see in the life of the Apostle Paul to Timothy as he invested in him. As he exalted Timothy, he took the time to lift up. Here's what the word exalt means. To lift up, to build up, to elevate, to affirm, to endorse, to propel, to spur on, to applaud, to promote, and to praise. We just sang that awesome song here early this morning where we're telling our Heavenly Father, we exalt you. And we are honoring, we're lifting up, we're promoting, we're elevating. God, it's all you. Now is our time to say it's not about us, it's about you. And as we are sowing into the lives of others, investing in them, make sure that you're always their biggest fan. Make sure that you're always not just always equipping, equipping, and engaging and engaging, but there's a time when you're going, now I just sit back and I promote you and I lift you up and I honor you and I brag about you. Because that's what the apostle did. He lifted Timothy to his greatest potential. We need to be people that would work hard at exalting, lifting up others to their greatest potential. I mean, that's so important. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 20, here's a prime example of Paul promoting Timothy. Listen to these words and think of the amazing ministry that the Apostle Paul had, his authority. He spoke from God. He started all these churches. He wrote all these books in the New Testament. And this is what he says about Timothy as he's talking to the Philippian church. He says, if the Lord Jesus is willing, I hope to send Timothy to you soon for a visit. Then he can cheer me up by telling me how you're getting along. And then he says this, heavy words from the Apostle Paul. I have no one else like Timothy who genuinely cares about your welfare. All the others care only for themselves and not for what matters to Jesus Christ. But you know how Timothy has proved himself. Like a son with his father, he served with me in preaching the good news. Let's talk about that word exalt. Here's the Apostle Paul laying down some heavy words of praise behind Timothy's back. You know, I think really is, is telling if you're someone that truly honestly believes in others and you want to invest in them and you want to promote them. It's how you talk about them when they're not in the room. It's how you talk about them behind their back. And here's the Apostle Paul saying, you know what? There's no one else like Timothy. You know, this young guy over here, everybody else is concerned with themselves. This guy, Timothy, he's legit. He's the real deal. He loves you. He loves Jesus. He's like a son to me. There's no one else like him. Timothy is the man. 
We need to be the kind of people that are promoting others like that. We're just building into them. Because there comes a time when you invest in people, you engage with them. There's a time that if lifting someone to their greatest potential might actually mean, listen to me on this, that their greatest potential is greater than yours. And there may be a time that in our humanness and our flesh, we might get a little bit jealous or envious or whatever, competitive, and go, wait, he's, I taught him everything. You know, he's not supposed to succeed me. He's not supposed to go beyond me. Well, guess what? If you've been a good discipler and investor, they are supposed to go beyond you. How many of you want your kids to go and have bigger and better lives than you do? I want my kids to know Jesus better than I know Jesus right now. I want my kids to have greater influence this world than I have. I'm not going to force it on them or pressure them, but my goal, my job is that they would live more successful lives. They'd be smarter with their finances. They'd be better with relationships. They'd succeed farther and better in life because the goal is in you lifting someone to their greatest potential, they might just go beyond you. And that's okay. That's appropriate. And that's good. There's a pastor that I heard that, that said this. He's talking about raising up disciples in the church, and sometimes they go on and they, they have more successful ministries than he had. But he said this to them, you being great takes nothing away from me. And we gotta be willing to say that to the people we raise up. You might go beyond me, and that's good. That takes nothing away from me. In fact, you know what it does? It validates me. It says, I did my job well. Jesus did his job well in you. You're supposed to go beyond me. Let me tell you this, here's an interesting thing. Years ago, when I was in junior high, the greatest example I had is sitting in the front row right here. Clinton Landeza, Pastor Tom's brother. He's my first junior high pastor. He's the one that really made it click in my head that I have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and that's okay and that's actually cool for a teenager to love Jesus Christ. He made it cool for me to know it's good to be a Christian and that I wanted to follow Jesus Christ. By his example, by everything that he did, I looked up to this man for years. And it wasn't, again, just so you know, it wasn't just by his words. Because honestly, sorry, Clint, I don't remember any of your teachings. <laughs> but you know what it was by? It was by actions. When he took me skateboarding or surfing or whatever, he used clean language. When everybody else around was using different types of language, this guy walked his talk. And when we would go to different places to hang out. And there was a couple points where there was tension and there was almost fights that happened. Clinton had a cool temper because of the Lord in him and he maintained. And I know he used to be a scrapper, but because of Jesus in him, he was able to talk peace into situations. And I watched that stuff. And he would tell us all the time, hey, you should read your word and have devotions, pray, talk to God. And it's like, teenager, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I remember one time when I went over to his house, I was about 16 years old, I drove over. I let myself in the door because that's the kind of hospitality the Landeza household is always known for. I let myself in. I walk in, Clinton, no answer. I go in, hey, Clint, there he is. He's on his bed. You know what he's doing? His head is down. He's kneeling. His Bible is right there. He's in prayer with God. And me even saying, hey, Clint, he didn't even budge. He wasn't asleep. That man was praying. And I was like, whoa, what? Whoa, how's this guy? He doesn't even tell me hi. What's going on? And I see him like, oh, he's in devotions. I went and I sat in the next room. And I thought about that as a 16-year-old. Man, that guy is walking his talk. And he didn't come out of there for another 10 minutes. And then he said, oh, hey, Carl, how you doing? I was just in devotions. Whoa, that blew me away. That he taught me by example. I don't remember anything he ever, he ever taught, but I remember his actions in front of me that made me have a passion for Jesus Christ and want to live and be the person that I am today. Is that cool or what? And he's still in the church. He's still here inspiring me. But listen to me, I wanna, I wanna end with this. 
I want to end with this about the exalting, about the promoting, about the lifting up. Somewhere along the line in life, my church leader that I looked up to, I became his pastor. And I'm his pastor right now. And all he has for me is honor and pride. And he's my greatest fan. And he cheers me on. And he prays for me. And he can humbly sit there and not be like, oh, wow, what, Carl, I was your junior high pastor. Don't think you're too this or do that. He can sit there. And he is one of the greatest supporters of me, of, of his brother, Tom, because we were both in the junior high group together, that this is a life well-lived that says, I've taken the time to engage in some people. I've equipped them. And they've grown. And they've gone on to greater things. He was my youth pastor. I became now his senior pastor. And he's happy about it. And he's proud of that. And I have so much pride and respect and honor for this man because he has modeled that well to me. But do you see what the Apostle Paul is trying to teach us is? There comes a point, and it, this isn't all like a three-step process. Some of this overlaps. You're going to be engaging. You're going to be exalting. You're going to be equipping, like all at the same time. But those are three things that I think are amazing for us on Father's Day. But as Christians, Paul said, the greatest thing you can do, invest in other people. Engage them where they're at. Equip them with everything you got. Believe in them. Set them up to succeed. And there's a time to just praise them and honor them and release them and let them grow. And they might go farther than you. And that's to be admired. Is that good?